0: is great and greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. How many of y'all are elated and delighted to be in the house of the Lord? One more time. Let me try that one more time. How many of y'all are elated and delighted to be in the house of the Lord? Listen, we're getting ready to start our worship experience and we don't take for granted your presence in this place. We thank God for each and every one of you who is joining us both in-house as well online. So if you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging on our live chat room on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So I want you to do this favor with us. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline, tag people you like to invite to your posts. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get up to 2,000 subscribers by the summer and text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, Click the invite button in your chat window and share this experience with others. Also, if you would, just let us know where you're watching us. So put in your city and state where you're watching us as far as this worship experience is concerned. And if you don't mind... Because I know some of us are, are love to take selfies. Take a selfie and put it in your chat window uh, to let folks know that you are in church wherever you are right now. To the Zoom congregation, I just want to wave at you. I see you. Amen. And uh, we're looking forward to the Lord doing a wonderful thing in this space. So if you are ready to worship God, I want you, if you would, just stand on your feet. Uh, Minister Joshua Jordan is going to come and lead us in our worship experience.
1: your hands and give the lord some praise come on i know you can do better than that i didn't say clap for me i didn't say clap for duke or north carolina i said clap your hands for the lord and give him some praise the psalmist david says i will bless the lord at all times and his praise shall continually be on my mouth i know we serve a continually great god so we should he deserves a continually great praise amen so we deserve to give him a continually great praise no matter where you are No matter what you're going through in your bedroom, in the sanctuary, give God praise. Everybody, wherever you are, stand on your feet and let's sing with the choir the glory of these 40 days. Give us joy to see God's face, amen. That's the goal at the end of the day, to hear a well done and to see his face. Today's scripture reading will be coming from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, I'll start reading our verse 3 from the NIV version. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. (laughs) They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of a corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is means to a financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We will be content with that. For those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Last verse. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The word of God for the people of God. Let us bow for a word of prayer. Oh, God, we come to you right now just to say thank you. God, we're thankful for an opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. God, I pray that your spirit move all over this place, Lord, from the choir stand, through the pew, through the airwaves, through the bedroom, through the kitchen, to the living room, Lord. I pray that you have your way, God. God, we ask that lives are changed, hearts are touched, and that something is said, Lord, that someone can say, what must I do to be saved, Lord, God? We know that you can move from the sanctuary to the living room to any state, any city, wherever people are watching. So, God, have your way. Spirit, move. We believe you and we trust you. We're expecting a great thing in this service today. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
2: Together and praise God for being free this morning, amen. amen. Being free, no more shackles, no more shame. We rejoice in the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you, choir, oh, man, for just that wonderful, wonderful song and that wonderful reminder a gospel truth uh, that remains with us this morning. Um, let me say good morning to all of you. I will not be doing my typical um, impact moment um, this morning. Um, I am the children and youth pastor here uh, at St. Paul, Reverend Peyton C., and um, man, we, I'm in charge of the children and youth uh, ministry here, but one thing that I wanted to uh, go over with you all today is to be able to speak to you about who we are and what we're planning to do going forward. Um, now, what we're planning on doing going forward is starting uh, Impact Worship up again, or worship for our children and youth, which will be every, um, every second and third Sunday of the month, um, amen. Yes, can we give God a praise for that? It'll be almost two years to the day, almost two years to the day that we will have started back. Man, I have missed our kids oh my gosh, I've been telling Josh this, I've been telling my wife this, I've been telling anyone that I talk to that, man, I am looking forward to this moment. So, man, if you are out there and you don't feel like, man, your youth pastor loves you, I want you to know I do love you and I'm very excited to see you if you choose to come out to Impact Worship and to be present with us in person because let's just, let's just face it, in-person changes a lot and it's, it's, it's a lot better than online, amen? It's a lot better than online. Now, here at the uh, St. Paul Children and Youth Ministry, I like to call it impact. You know, we got impact kids, impact 1401, which is our youth program, impact kids, our children K through five. And so this word impact it means a lot, and what it stems from is this mission statement that I've prayed over and that I've come up with for us as a group, and I wanna repeat this for us. I remember mentioning it in my impact moment several weeks ago, but I wanted to share it again with you all this morning to remind you all what I'm gonna be about, what our ministry is gonna be about when it comes to the purpose of what we do here at St. Paul, and this is what it comes down to. We exist to share the impactful gospel truth That our students' identity is in Jesus Christ who loves them and calls them by name. Now, this mission statement stems from a personal um, testimony for me where my identity has been wrapped up in so many different things in my life. Whether it's making sure that I found a wife, praise God for Taylor, where I made sure that I succeeded in baseball, that I was perfect in grades, that I was perfect in what I do, and yet the standard of grace that God offers says, no, man, what I want you to realize is so far beyond perfection, is so far beyond just trying to run after thing after thing in this world that tries to tell you that it's your sexual identity that is where you find it, that it is your gender identity is where you find it, that it's in what people say about you, but man, God says no, it's not in those things. It's not in those things. It is in Jesus Christ. Yes, Josh is in Jesus Christ. So the reason I've chosen that is not just for the personal feel that I have about what identity means to me, but it's what I believe that your children, that your youth, that your kids are struggling with and that they need to be reminded of this simple gospel truth that, man, their identity is in Jesus. And if they grasp that, if they hold on to that, it changes everything. They'll be able to love better. They'll be able to live a life that is rooted not just that, not in living for other people, not in living for themselves, but in living for the one who's given them life. And I believe they'll be able to make an impact then and go forth into their communities, into their families, into wherever that God charges them to go to be able to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Now, as I've mentioned, Impact Worship will start next week. And for those of you that are wondering, man, I really hope that they've considered and that they've thought about some safety measures, that they've thought about some different things that, man, we can take into consideration when our kids come back. And I want you to know that we have that we have. We've thought about how we can make this time safer, that how we can make the space um, in the youth sanctuary where our kids will be meeting secure. Now, if you have any questions about those safety measures, I won't go over all of them this morning, um, but just know that our team has been meeting week after week after week, and that we've been trying to decide what it is that we can do, what will flow properly for the uh, very first, second Sunday of this month. And if you have any questions about that, I will be headed after I'm done speaking here. I will be out at the table in the vestibule over here to your right um, near the ushers room. And so if you have any questions, please feel free. You don't have to come during service because I want you to be able to hear pastor and be a part of this moment. But afterwards, if you have any questions or want to pre-register your child for youth worship, please Come and see me, okay? And I'll talk with you, and we'll get some, we'll get some paperwork going, and we'll get you guys settled so that your children and that your youth can be a part of what God is going to be doing here at St. Paul. Amen. Do you mind? Can we go ahead and pray over that real quick? All right, let us pray. Dear Lord, I just want to come to you and just pray uh, to you this morning, God, just for the children and youth that will hopefully be coming and be present, God, for second and third Sundays here at St. Paul, that they will just have a desire and that they will want to be a part of getting to celebrate you um, during this time of worship and time of celebration. I pray, God, that we would be able to break, uh, man, just break your word down in such a way that it will reach to their hearts, it will reach to their minds, and it will change their life through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that they would truly find their identity in you, apart from everything else, that it would be in your son, Christ. Lord, we love you. I pray that you would be with our parents, that you would be um, with us as a ministry at St. Paul. Help us to partner together, because neither of us are in this alone. Our parents are not in this alone, God. We are not in this alone. Man, we are not, a, uh, we are not just a, a babysitting service here at St. Paul, God, but we are going to partner together, parent and ministry, parent and church. And, man, we are going to do this thing together. Lord, I pray that you would be with us. Help that communication to remain strong. Help us to love one another and to love our kids so that, man, they can live lives that are changed for you to make an impact for you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all. It's
0: that time for Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Revival, thank you, Reverend C, for um, for that um, for your instructions and insight. I want to say first of all, good morning. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, as far as in person is concerned, at this particular time. Um, I'm going to ask if we could, let's have the video. I think that's what was getting ready to prime. And then I'll come to you all with more, um, observations as we move forward.
1: It's that time for March gladness, 2022, a three night revival, March the 22nd, 23rd and 24th at 7
3: PM each night. This year, we welcome from Jacksonville, Florida, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Jr. I don't need a shout out. I don't need a post on Facebook. I don't need them to tell nobody my name. My joy will be knowing that the Lord used me to help them start their business, to help them get their marriage together. God, just any way you want to use me, any way you want to use me, God, use me. And then we welcome from Decatur, Georgia, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia
0: Hale. We still need to let this light shine. So that others will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. You see, people recognize who God is by looking at us. Just like Jesus walked the earth and gave evidence of a good God. A God who cared about people. A compassionate God. A loving and kind God. That's the kind of God they ought to see in us. When they see us coming, they may not want to deal with us. But they will be attracted to the goodness of God is in us and shows through us and draws them to
3: people who have not wanted to be. And your finally, friends. we welcome from Louisville, Kentucky,
0: Reverend Dr. F. Bruce Williams another the truth about your life because you don't know there might be somebody waiting to hear their story come out of your mouth and if he did it for you, if he raised you, if he saved you, if he healed you, if he anointed you if he picked you up if he turned you around if he placed your feet on solid ground, if he forgave you and he's feeling you and he's using you then
3: somebody march gladness is a revival that you do not want to miss you can register now on eventbrite to attend in person or make plans to join us virtually on all of our streaming platforms we look forward to worshiping with you march the 22nd 23rd and 24th at
0: 7 o'clock p.m Amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. I want to just, I want to just let you all know that uh, we're looking forward to those of you all who can join us in person to do that. Uh, we want this to be a, a impactful worship experience, and um, we have some of God's most gifted preachers that will be sharing as far as March gladness is concerned. Starting at seven o'clock, we're gonna be done by. 8:30, uh, um, And um, we're going to let the Lord uh, feed us and prepare us as we make the quick dash toward uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, before I just share with you all any more observations, of course, we are in the run up to election. And uh, we have one of our own disciples, uh, Judge Reggie McKnight, who is uh, running for re-election. I'm going to ask that as he makes his way to come and uh, solicit uh, your support, um, that we will continue to be mindful that part of our civic engagement is a sign of our discipleship, regardless of who you support and who you vote for. Amen. Let me say that again, part of engaging in civic engagement is part of your discipleship as far as helping to shift the culture to where God would have for it to be. So I'm going to ask that he would come and bring greetings uh, at this particular time.
4: Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, St. Paul. First of all, I want to... Thank you, Pastor Scott, for giving me this opportunity to give you some brief remarks about my campaign. Next, I want to thank you, St. Paul. Um, I want to thank you for um, being with me on this, what I call, judicial journey. Um, What I mean by that is in 2018, when I first decided to run for Superior Court judge, my first announcement when I decided to run was here in my home church at St. Paul. So I want to say thank you all for your support. Now, in that... I didn't win in 2018. God said that wasn't my time, Uh, but in 2020, I was appointed by Governor Cooper to the district court bench, and in December of 2021, I was appointed again by Governor Cooper to the Superior Court bench, and that's where I currently serve you now as one of eight resident Superior Court judges, Um, so once again, thank you for that support. Um, I'm here today um, asking for your support again. I will be on your ballot depending on where you live in Mecklenburg County. Um, in 2022 and what I mean by that is our superior court districts are divided up in Mecklenburg County, but this is my home district, Belmont, um, Severville, Biddleville, um, Villa Heights, Noda, um, if, and some other areas here in Charlotte. So when you look on your ballot and you see t- judicial district 26 E as in Edward, you will see my name, Reggie McKnight. Now, praise be to God, as of last Friday on March 4th, I learned I will be the only name on the ballot because I am running unopposed. Thank you. Despite that, however, I still want your support and your vote. Um, I still want you to you know, push that screen or if you're doing paper ballots, check the box, etc. Um, because... By you doing that, you are sending a clear message to Mecklenburg County that I am supported by my community. And that's what I'm asking you to do here today. Um, So look on that, not just look for mine, that's again, Judicial District 26E, but also, once again, and I believe Ms. Mayfield was here last week, please make sure you vote in this midterm as well. It is crucially important. I won't beat that horse because she's already done it. But thank you all. Thank you, Pastor Scott.
0: move we cast one ballot in lieu of the whole for judge reggie mcknight amen all right let's give god praise for him one more time here at st paul we have a lot we have quite a few uh persons that are serving in the political arena that are part of our church so we uh are grateful that we have that cachet here let me uh, just say that I've been, as Reverend Peyton C. mentioned earlier, been meeting with a core team of about eight to 10 of us, and then, of course, a larger team of all the leaders who have something to do with Sunday morning worship. We're in the process of making some shifts so that we can get more people in and also keep you safe and secure as far as navigating uh, this uh, pandemic. So uh, I think I can say without hesitation or mental reservation that on the first Sunday, we're still going to wear a mask. But we're going to sit people a little bit closer together, and we're going to ask that you wear your mask. I was at a funeral this past week in St. Louis, and it was 1,800 folks in church, not skipping a row or anything. And I leaned over to my best friend, Dr. Jesse Williams. I said, man. I say, I'm so nervous being in this place. As soon as I get home, I'm taking me a shower and a COVID test. (laughs) Amen. 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 So, um, uh, so things are opening back up, but, um, I, I, I want, we want to be very methodical here. So just bear with us, please. As we open back up, we're going to be shrinking the space uh, from six feet to about three to four feet so that we can get more people in. Um, But we're still going to keep one worship for the time being uh, at 10 o'clock. And of course, we're continuing to have conversations about opening up some other things as far as here at St. Paul is concerned. So thank you all so much for bearing with us. As we move forward, in our worship experience, just want to let you all know that uh, we're still doing COVID testing, and not COVID test vaccinations here on Wednesday from 10 to 5 in the gym. Uh, no appointments are necessary. And I want to continue to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir, join us in Bible study at noon and at 7. We're getting ready to go to the Lord in prayer. Getting ready to go to the Lord in prayer. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, um, our shock to hear that um one of our disciples brother kevin stroud uh the father of sister sheena baker has died brother stroud used to sit over in this section and uh he was found dead in his car um, due to a heart attack so we want to keep sheena uh lifted up in our prayers the service uh, times are pending. And once we uh, find that out, we'll let you all know uh, when that will be taking place. We also want to lift up the family of Brother Joshua Chavis, who is the son of uh, Don Great House and um, Joshua Great House. Uh, his services were this past Friday at the Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We want to lift up the family of Reverend Reverend Gary Sherman, who is the uncle of Dr. Monica Redman. His services were this past Wednesday. The family of Brother Robert Graham, the brother of disciple uh, James Graham, um, and sister-in-law disciple Martha Graham, and the family of Sister Kathy Lund, the sister of disciple Brother Robert Lund, and sister-in-law Novella Lund. We want to keep those families lifted up in our prayers. And um, I got word that Sister Brenda Irwin, I don't see her in the place, uh, but she's going to be having surgery this week. So we want to cover her uh, in our prayers, and we want to lift up Sherita Dillingham, Bryce McCain, Amy White, Sister Geraldine Wilson, of course, our pastor emeritus, and his wife, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond, and Lady Thomasina Drummond. And I'm going to ask that uh, Minister Joshua would prepare to take us to the throne of grace, and as he prepare us to do that. Whatever prayer concerns you have, let's give them to the Lord.
1: Let's bow. Oh, Heavenly Father, there is so much going on in our world right now, Lord. Wars, sickness, strife. But we know that you, oh God, are in control of it all. God, we know that you sit high and you look low, Lord. God, we know that in spite of all the conflict, all the sickness, and even all the chaos all around us, we know that you are in control. God, I pray right now that even as some of us are going through, that we look to the hills from which cometh our help, Lord God. You are the one from whom with our help comes from. God, touch and move in people's lives right now, God, as some people need comfort, be their comfort, Lord God. You're the friend that stays closer than any brother, Lord God. So you touch and move comfort and comfort him. Be there for them right now, Lord God. God, in this place right now, someone needs a breakthrough, God. God, in this place right now, someone needs to hear a word from on high from you to let them know that everything will be all right, Lord God. So God, even right now, as we're about to enter into this preaching moment, Lord God, open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Open up our spirits to hear from what thus you have to say for us, God. Let hearts be changed. Let lives be transformed, Lord God. And let us leave here never the same, God, because of what you will do in this place. God, we praise you. God, we trust you. And God, we love you. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Come on, if you believe the Lord is answering your prayer, can you give God praise? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Joshua Jordan. As we move forward, it is time to give. But let me, if I could, before uh, we get ready to receive the offering, let let you know this Saturday, spring forward. We're going to lose an hour of sleep, saints. So spring forward. Spring forward. Somebody going to show up later at church next week. I just pray it ain't your pastor. Spring forward. All right. Okay. It's time for us to receive the Lord's offering. And as we prepare to receive the Lord's offering, there are three ways in which you, well, several ways really in which you can give here at St. Paul Church. The first one is by uh, either sending your check and money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can drop off your cash, check a money order here at the church. Just call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. And we will place it in the following week's count. The other way you can give is through Church Life or ACS on our website. You can also give through Givelify. And if you don't have that... Uh, app on your smart device, download it on your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. If you have a physical offering here in the church, there's a basket on the row in front of you that you can put your offering in. You don't have to touch the basket. Uh, you can just drop your offering in that basket, and our account team will receive it. So, as we prepare to give at this particular time, I'm going to ask if you would take your offering, however you're giving, and, and if you're able to place it in your right hand, place it in your right hand, let's lift it toward heaven and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to partner with you in doing the work of kingdom building. And Lord, as we come, for those of us that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless according to your word. For those that are giving something, we pray, oh God, increase our faith. And then for God, those who feel like they don't have anything to give, Lord, would you challenge our hearts and lead us to that form of conviction. In the devotion that I did this morning, oh God, the widow gave all that she had out of gratitude and thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we know that you look at our heart and we know you will bless us accordingly. So do that right now, oh God, and we do this Not um, out of personal gain, but simply to just say thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, take your offering, if you have a physical offering, uh, and place it in the basket in front of you, and uh, our account team will receive it.
3: All the glory belongs to you, oh God. All the glory belongs to you. All the glory belongs to to
0: deserves the praise thank you for uh, giving us such a a thoughtful moment as far as worship is concerned with that song Um, I know we've come out of black history month and we're now into women's uh, month and I want to, if I could, continue the series of sermons I've been working on and traversing through as far as the scriptures and the 1619 Project. Um, And today I want to focus on capitalism. Capitalism. I want to, if I could, to call your attention to Matthew chapter 6 and we want to look at verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 24. And these words are printed in New King James Version of the Word of God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye, and therefore your eye is good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to preach for the time that is mine, and I want to ask this question. Christ or capitalism, which God will be served? Christ or capitalism, which God will be served? America is a capitalist society. This comment was made by Martin Shkreli, and he is a capitalist who raised the price of an antiparasitic drug from thirteen dollars and fifty cents per pill to over seven hundred and fifty dollars per pill back in twenty seventeen before he was indicted on fraud charges. He made this statement to substantiate why he charged the price and wanted to charge even more, up to close to $1,000 per peel. And he said that American is a capitalist society. His comment reveals the problem and perplexity that we as black people face, which goes back to our enslaved ancestors coming upon these shores in 1619. There are other capitalist societies across the width and breadth of this globe, but the United States economic system was forged within the crucible of racism that played out through slavery, which has implications for where black people are right now in particular, and this country in general. Matthew Desmond writes in his essay on capitalism in the 1619 Project, and I quote, the United States stands as one of the most unequal societies in the history of the world. The richest 1% of Americans own 40% of the country's wealth, while a larger share of working people, those ages 18 to 65, live in poverty than any other nation belonging to the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, end of quote. Where we are right now can be traced back to how this country became wealthy on stolen labor. Slavery, whether you realize it or not, shaped the economics, politics, constitution, legal constructs, and I would dare say American Christianity If slavery is America's original sin, then capitalism is the forbidden fruit for which the serpent tempted the founding fathers. If slavery is America's birth defect, then capitalism is the corrupt genetic trait of this country. Unfortunately, the founders of this country used our enslaved ancestors to perpetuate that to which they were enslaved, and their master was capitalism. American capitalism is built on the back of our enslaved ancestors to the point that they had to put it in the Constitution and the political structure of this country. Most of us have heard of the Three-Fifth Compromise. And the three-fifth compromise laid the foundation for which our current national government is established. In fact, it laid uh, the foundations for which the Congress came into a being, because the House of Representatives is based on population. Back during the time of slavery, enslaved black people counted as three-fifths of a person. The Senate was based upon two votes per state. Back then, slave-holding states had more political power because they had enslaved persons. And this is carried over to the current brokenness of our national political scene in 2022 because it was meant to be that way. But notice that that back then they used the three-fifth compromise not for the purpose of taxation because if so, then the South would have had to pay more taxes. I quote, South Carolina Representative Thomas Lynch and other Southerners wanted their human property to count toward their congressional representation but not toward their tax bill, end of quote. Let me push this even further. Capitalism is based upon the concept of private property ownership. And since our enslaved ancestors were private property, that became entrenched in the Constitution and even upheld in the Supreme Court of the United States. I don't know how many of you all have ever heard of the famous Dred Scott decision, but Dred Scott had to go back to his owner even though he had gone into free territory. Why? Because he was property. Let me press this even further because it's mind-boggling how they treated us and how they treated us one day is going to cause judgment upon this country. How they treated the Native American because they pushed them off their land so they could have more land to raise cotton and tobacco. America's going to be judged. Did you know that our enslaved ancestors were treated so much like property until they were used as collateral for loans? To raise money to get land in the South? They, they used your great, great, great grandparents, like we use our homes to get equity so they can buy other stuff. And this type of thinking seeps into the labor structure of today as managers and supervisors try to get as much productivity out of their workers now. And what we fail to realize is how slavery and racism became the major template in weakening even the American labor movement. Therefore, dividing workers, white workers versus black workers, and males versus females, and management versus those who are on the floor. If we were not so ensconced in capitalism, first of all, women would be paid the same thing as men for doing the same type of work. And we would not have to worry so much about the divide between black and white because we would all be on the same playing field. But oh, Desmond wrote it best, and I quote him again. He said, if today America promotes a particular kind of low-roll capitalism, a union-busting capitalism of poverty wages gig jobs, and normalized insecurity. A winner-take-all capitalism of stunning disparities, not only permitting but rewarding financial rule bending. A racist capitalism that ignores the fact that slavery did not just deny black freedom but built white fortunes, originating the black-white Wealth gap that annually grows wider, one reason that American capitalism was founded on the lowest road there he is, end of quote. Today's <clears throat> current economic reality is the rich, the working poor, and the non-working poor, according to the standards in America. And if we're going to be honest, the God in which this country has placed its trust is not the God of Abraham and Sarah. It's not the God of Isaac and Rebecca. It's not the God of Jacob and Leah. It is rather the God of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Jackson, and Ben Franklin. In other words, it's the God of the dollar bill. Because we've made the assumption that money makes the world go round and we live from a reality based upon what we have in our bank account rather than our faith in the God of the cosmos. This, 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 is why, this is why a lot of church folks are in panic mode right now. This is why we live from a posture of fear because we've allowed for ourselves to be defined by position, possession, and prestige Rather than a relationship with God, a revelation from the spirit and repentance of our sins. The current economic reality is going to shed some light in who's serious about God. And who knows what it really means to walk by faith and not by sight. It is in these times of uncertainty and adversity. It is in these times of fear and panic. It is in these times of a devalued currency and an unstable stock market. You need to know who you're going to put your trust in. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the words that Jesus spoke nearly 2,000 years ago give me the blessed assurance for our inflationary times. These words that Jesus quotes here in Matthew chapter 6 is really part of a larger context known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus has shared what is called the Beatitudes. And he has given us what is considered to be the model prayer. He has taught on marriage and divorce and what the real meaning of adultery is and how you and I should treat each other. And ears are perked as he starts talking about that type of stuff, relationship and prayer and spiritual discipline. However, when he started talking about wealth and money, like in today's culture, I can imagine folks started tuning him out. It is interesting how Jesus brings up the subject of wealth just after what he's talked about, fasting. And maybe, just maybe, it's just my theological conjecturing, but maybe Jesus put fasting and wealth close together to show us how you can have a posture of religion and still be lacking a relationship with God. All right. In other words, you can be in this season of Lent and you can talk about what you ain't going to do and still not be close to God. Because anybody can fast. You ain't got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to fast. But it makes no sense for you to fast and go hungry and you not get closer to the Lord. (laughs) You can go through the rituals of being in the church and not have a relationship with God. Why? Because you're struggling with two masters. God and your money, God, and your stuff, God, and your possessions. And so Jesus, in his own unique way, talks about the need for us not to serve two masters. If you read this text initially, you might come away with some wrong assumptions. You might think that Jesus does not want you to have any money, or you might think that Jesus does not want you to establish a savings account, or that Jesus does not want you to make financial investments for your future economic support. And unfortunately, this text has been used wrongly to justify poverty and economic powerlessness. Part of the problem with a lot of us from the choir stand through the pulpit to the back door is that we can be so heavily minded until we're no earthly good. And we tend to spiritualize everything except our money. Uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, Because when it comes to our money, we can become very carnal because we think it's our money. We think it's our time. We think it's our time. So here's what Jesus is really trying to do. This ain't no shouting sermon. It's a thinking one. Jesus is empowering us not to become slaves to the system of capitalism that has propensity to make the rich richer at the expense of the poor. But also Jesus is trying to empower us not to be duped by socialism which makes the poor richer at the expense of the rich. And also Jesus is trying to empower us not to be swindled by a materialistic mindset, which will have us to believe that we are defined by the things we have, the clothes we wear, the car we drive, and the house we live in. God knows Jesus is trying to empower us not to be tricked by a false pentecostalism that lacks a trinitarian influence which says that the only way for you to be blessed is to speak in tongues and get in the thousand dollar line here's what the master is trying to teach us today there is nothing wrong with having money as long as money ain't got you Now, let me say something quick, fast, and in a hurry, because there is no way for you and I to create heaven here on earth with materials that's going to rot, decay, rust, or get stolen. And this is why Jesus proclaims that you and I should not store up treasures here on earth, but make an investment into the kingdom. Now, this is where discernment plays an important role. Because Jesus does not condemn you saving money for the future or having treasures in your home that you value. Jesus does not have issues with you having money. Jesus does not have issues with you being wealthy. But Jesus is condemning our attitude when we make our money our idol. And these things more important than eternity. And this is where Jesus messes us up. Because Jesus is really saying, and if you don't get anything else, get this, that the real focus of discipleship and how wealth is often the most common distraction that keeps you from living for Jesus. This is why I maintain that slaveholders could not have been real followers of Jesus. Because Jesus demands undivided commitment. No divided loyalties. You can't be a part-time disciple. And I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I got on my big boy pants today. I, I know I, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but our attitude Toward money is the sign of where we really place our loyalty. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Your attitude toward money is the pulse of the heart of your discipleship. So this is what Jesus is saying in so many words. That you and I need to learn how not to sow up treasure here on earth or make the proper investment into the kingdom because if you make the right investment you can reap a dividend in time the investment that jesus is talking about is more than your money the treasure jesus is talking about laying up in heaven is an investment of the most precious asset you have you want to know what that is your life your your life your your, your spirit Your soul, not your pension plans, not your money market account, not your trust fund, not your social security, but your life, your spirit, your soul. Because guess what? I know I got some folks in here who've been divorced, and when you got divorced, your ex got half of your stuff, depending on where you live. When you die, if you have a will. The relatives going to fight over your possessions. They're going to come to the funeral looking half mad. And if you ain't got a will, it's going to go in probate. And, and, and while I'm at it, can I, can, can I say this? Uh, uh, if you ain't got insurance, you need to get it. GoFundMe ain't insurance. See, 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 n- now I'm out there now because it amazes me how you can have all these fine things. Louis and Gucci and ain't got insurance. It, it. It, it it amazes me how you can wear, wear shoes, and guess what? The shoes you wear, that could be a whole year's worth of you getting insurance. And then when you die, you want to come to the church to get the church to bury you, and you ain't even do nothing for the church. I'm out there now. Go get you some insurance and go make you a will so your stuff won't go in probate so you will lose half your stuff to the state. When you and I stand on the day of judgment and we're going to be stripped of everything, your degrees will not matter because Jesus ain't going to ask you did you go to a and or Central? <laughs> he ain't gonna say to you, did you go to Duke UNC, or Johnson C. Smith, or Livingstone, or Clinton College, or University of South Carolina, or Winthrop, no. He ain't going to ask you all that. Jesus ain't going to be concerned about your prestige, what fraternity or sorority you belong to, or what club you belong to. He ain't going to be concerned about your worldly prominence. He ain't going to be concerned about your power. He's not going to be concerned about your possessions. When we stand before the God of eternity, who will judge the quick and the dead, our stuff will have no bearing on eternity. So I want to raise this question. Why do we have to answer this question, which is the title of the sermon, Christ or Capitalism, which God will you serve? Why do we have to answer this question right now? Right now. Right now at 1106 on Sunday, right now. Because first of all, how you answer it reveals your heart. Because in verse 19 to 21, Jesus commands his followers not to accumulate possessions they do not use for his work. Wealth back then, as it is in today's society, was demonstrated in precious metals and clothing. And owners were worried about the attacks of moth and rust. And both were commonplace in the Palestinian climate. The danger of theft applies to almost all kinds of valuable in every time and place. Back then, they did not have cotton. They wore silk and linen and satin, and the moths would eat through it and make it worthless. Rust meant corrosion, and the rust would corrode their precious metals and make them uh, useless. And and food and the stores of harvest would rot. Feed would dig through the mud walls of the house and carry away the owner's little stockpile of gold and silver. And even if you could safeguard all your possessions, you couldn't control how long you're going to live. Well, in 2022, we got capitalistic moths. That will diminish and deteriorate our possessions. Do you know that the moment you buy a new car, brand new car, and you drive it off the lot, it depreciates by 25 percent? We got moss because your clothes do not accumulate in value. And then for some of us, we get a certain size. can't wear it anyway (sighs) we got economic rust where there's a devaluation of our personal assets right now the dollar ain't worth nothing if you go overseas it takes two dollars to buy what a dollar used to get and we're dealing with economic rust as inflation Is at its highest rate in 40 years. That's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. Then God knows there are certainly thieves among us. We got two type of thieves. The first type of thief, and I ain't talking about the kind when you're walking up and down the street and somebody knock you upside the head, but we got Wall Street muggers And we got corporate robbers who will let their companies fail and let their banks fail and let the investors lose their money. And you and I lose our pension plan and our retirement account. But the executive jump out the window with a platinum parachute. Corporate muggers. Why y'all shouting on corporate muggers? We got ecclesiastical robbers. Will a man or a woman rob God? God said, yes, you have. How have we done it? You've done it in what? Ties and offerings. Oh, y'all shutting up real quick. That's why God said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Y'all, I'm scared not to tithe. Rather than accumulating material wealth, we need to really... Focus on spiritual connection, because when you make a spiritual deposit into the kingdom, you ain't going to lose. You you ain't going to lose your spiritual investment is anything you can take beyond the grave. And I have yet to see, brother Alexander, I have yet to see a U-Haul following a hearse. You can't take it with you. But can I give y'all some investment advice right now? Do y'all mind if I give you some investment advice right now? Holiness of character is an investment. Obedience to the word of God is an investment. Winning souls to Christ is an investment. Strengthening your faith walk. Is an investment. Forgiving somebody who has done you wrong is an investment. Asking God for forgiveness is an investment. In this context, when he talks about storing up treasure, it means check this out, to use compassionately the financial and the material resources that God has given you to be a blessing to somebody else in order to fulfill the proprieties of kingdom agenda. Which means that if you and I are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, then you and I can't be stingy. That you and I are called to be stewards of the blessings of God. Because when I do this, I am guaranteed a reward in heaven, but I can pull down the dividends here on earth. Oh, God, I feel like hollering. Because I'm here to let somebody know that if you put your money in the stock market, your initial investment can be gone just like that. But when you put an investment into the kingdom, it will never decrease. And can I tell y'all while it will not decrease, it's not going to decrease because there is something that is known as the grace factor. Now, now, now what I want you all to understand for those that are engaged in stock market, there's this rule of 72 that talks about how your money can multiply. But if the stock market ain't doing well, ain't nothing gonna multiply. But I'm here to let you know that whatever you do for the sake of the kingdom, that when you drop in your investment, it's gonna multiply and it's guaranteed because of the grace factor. Okay, okay, listen, all right, all right, all right. Grace lets our investment into the kingdom appreciate at a rate we can't calculate <laughs> because God is saying you really don't deserve it because you haven't put much into it but because I really love you more than you think I love you I'm just going to give you stuff you haven't even really earned oh God listen listen you, you, you don't deserve mercy but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve grace, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve peace, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve forgiveness, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve joy, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve another day, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve a peace of mind, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve salvation, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve healing, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve my love, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve eternal life, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't deserve my son, but I'm going to give it to you because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Then whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life and I don't know who I'm talking to right now but aren't you glad that the moss can't eat it, the rust can't corrode it the enemy can't steal it and the devil can't take it away this joy that I the world didn't give it and the world can't Next, how we answer this question determines what's really important to us. Verse 22 and 23. There's some interesting language that Jesus introduced in the middle of this. Talk about good eye and a bad eye. A good eye and a bad eye. And back then, they did not have glasses. And they did not have contact lenses. Notice the shift from the treasure heart. Now to the eye slash body. If where your treasure is, there your heart is also, Jesus is trying to get us to understand that what you invest in has a lot to do with your perspective. If the eye is how light enters the body and allow for you to have direction, then how you and I view our reality Is going to dictate how we spend our money. And how we spend our money is a sign of how we view our material possessions. So there's this distinction, church, between good eye and a bad eye. And it boils down to a matter of perspective. A good eye means I got clear vision. If my vision is clear, then my worldview and my ethics are grounded in a loyalty to Jesus Christ. So when I have a clear vision, I can avoid the pitfalls and distractions that lead to spiritual destruction. But on the other hand, if I got a bad eye, that means I got distorted or blurred vision. And if my vision is blurry and distorted, that means my life is distracted by worldly factors, which leads to blindness and leads to deficits when it comes to my spiritual reality. This means that I play by the rules of the culture rather than live by the principles of the kingdom. And we got folks in the church that got good eyes and bad eyes. What a good eye look like, you walk by faith. What a bad eye look like, you walk by sight. Good eye, I'm trusting the word of God. Bad eye, I got to see it in order to believe it. Good eye, I know the Lord will make a way somehow. Bad eye, what's going to be the bottom line? Good eye, be a blessing. Bad eye, what's the profit margin? Good eye, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Bad eye, we can't do it. We ain't got it, so we can't do this mission. Good eye, I'm going to pay my tithes and give an offering. Bad eye, if God wants my money, God better come get it good at help those who can't help themselves. Bad eye. Too bad for poor folks. Good eye. I see the wounds of a person. Bad eye. I see the wrongs of a person. Good eye. I see the hurts of a person. Bad eye. I see the hell of a person. Good eye. I see the triumph of a person. Bad eye. I see the trouble of a person. Good eye. I see the gift of a person. Bad eye. I see the grime of a person. Good eye. I'm ready to forgive somebody because God has forgiven me. Bad eye. I'll hold a grudge because it makes me think I got power over you. How you answer this question, God will either give you what I call some Jesus glasses or some Holy Ghost contact lenses to let you see stuff that other folks can't see. Am I talking to anybody in here? that's got some Holy Ghost contact lenses or you got some Jesus glasses and folks are saying how is it that you're able to do what you do how you do when you do and you have to let them know brother man sister girl honey child I'm walking by faith and not by sight because the Lord done dropped some stuff on me and I see some stuff that other folks cannot see and so why you want to call me cray cray because I walk by faith and not by sight I am able able to call those things that are not as though they are and realize that God has more in store for me that's why church we got to operate from a different standard than the world and finally how we respond to this question price of capitalism, which God will be served, reveals our loyalty. Uh-oh. Jesus messes up a whole lot of folks with this statement. You can't serve two masters. For either you love one and hate the other, you can't serve God and money. This is where the prosperity, health, and wealth preachers going to cause a lot of folks to miss the kingdom. If my relationship with God is only so I can get some money, if my relationship with God is only so I can become wealthy, then I'm using God as my cosmic bellhop, as a Santa Claus, or as a sugar daddy to promote my personal agenda. And it literally means that wealth not Jesus is my real God. We all in here serve something or somebody. Even the atheists serve a God. They don't believe in God, but they serve a the God of ignorance. When your service is divided, you're going to love one and hate the other. Now, There was slavery during Jesus' time, but it wasn't like American slavery, but there was slavery during Jesus' time, and masters rarely owned slave slaves jointly. But when they did, the slave would naturally prefer one master over the other. Jesus is telling us today, you and I got to make a choice will it be Jesus or will it be capitalism? Will it be God or will it be money? If we are working for possessions only, ultimately we wind up hating God. But if we're working for God, then we will wind up not putting the focus on our possessions. This does not mean we should not take care of possessions, but it means that our possessions should never, ever take priority over God. I close with this. Materialism has achieved cult status in this country. The greatest danger to Christianity in the West is not Marxism, it's not Islam, it's not the black Hebrew Israelites, it's not some new age movement, it's not even humanism or secularism, but rather it is the pervasive materialism of our affluent culture that has saturated us to the point that we try to keep up with the Joneses. Spending money we don't have, buying things we don't need, trying to impress folks we don't like. You cannot pursue material accumulation and God at the same time. Both God and capitalism make demands on your time, your energy, and your efforts. And God is saying, which God will you serve? Are you going to be devoted to the God of the cosmos? Or will you be devoted to the God of this culture, which is money? God is going in one direction. Your money is going to take you in another direction. The love of God and the love of money are incompatible. You can't love God and you can't love money at the same time. That's why the Bible says, for the love of money. It doesn't say money is the root of evil. It says the love of money. The love of money is the root of, y'all catch that? The love of money. I would even dare say that the lack of money is the root of all evil too. The love of money. When you place money above God, you're going to get in trouble. There's a preacher down in Louisiana. His name is Leroy Thompson. And he always talking about money coming to me, money, money, money. And be doing that stuff in church. And he's going to have to pay for that in the judgment. Because what you and I need is more than just money, we need more God. Aren't you amazed at what folks would do for a dollar? Aren't you amazed at what folks would do for a buck? I mean, this is what the drug dealers do. For a dollar, they kill our people in our community for for a dollar. Aren't you amazed at the lengths that people will go through to earn a buck, but will not spend nearly the effort to make sure that a soul is saved? I am amazed, and this blows my mind. I'm amazed at folks who make five and six figures and only give two figures in church. Is this mic on? And it blows my mind how folks who don't have a high-paying job make give more than those who have five- and six-figure-paying jobs. That our poor people proportionally and actually give more to the kingdom than folks that's driving Benzes and Mercedes and BMWs. Kirk Franklin said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. God knows we need money to operate in this society, but I need God to survive this society. (laughs) Don't become so consumed with trying to make a dollar that you lose your soul. The Bible tells the story of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says Jesus, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you need to keep the commandments, honor your mother and your father, don't commit adultery, don't, don't commit murder, you know, don't covet your neighbor. And, 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 and the rich young ruler said, oh, I'm good. This I've done since my young days. And Jesus said to him, well, there's one thing you lack. Uh-oh, here's the red rubber, here's the rope. Sell what you have. Give to the poor Come and follow me. And the Bible says that rich young ruler dropped his head and walked away because he had many possessions. That's the only instance in the Bible where I saw a person was worse off after having met Jesus than he was prior. Don't lose your soul over a dollar. I don't know about y'all, but That's why I'm a giver. That's why I'm a tither because I'm making an investment in something I know ain't going to fail. I'm trying to make sure that if something happens to me that my wife and daughter, if they outlive me, will be taken care of. If the Lord lets me make it to retirement, I want to have something to retire on so I can at least have something to eat and drink a roof over my head. Uh, But I I do know we live in a time where that stuff can be gone just like that because businesses are failing and stock market is declining and banks are failing. But I'm making a deposit. That's why I give the way I give here at St. Paul because I understand that I can't be God-giving no matter how hard I try. No, 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 no. Let me tell you y'all something. Let me tell you something. I would never ask you to do something That I don't do. I would never ask you to go where I'm not willing to go. Because as your pastor, I don't need to be leading from behind. I need to be in front leading the charge. And and the reason that I give is twofold. Because I love God and I love this church. And and that's why, that's why, that's why whenever I come and I give my tithes and off. I don't do it trying to showcase or anything. I do it because the Lord has been better to me than I deserve. That's that's why why I'm able to sing that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, not my education. On Christ, not my retirement. On Christ, not my pension plan. On Christ, not my degrees. On Christ, not my fraternity. On Christ, not my car. On Christ, not my relationships. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Pension plans, sinking sand. 401ks, sinking sand. Capitalism, sinking sand. So. Socialism sinking sand, Marxism sinking sand, Wall Street sinking sand, the housing market sinking sand, credit cards sinking sand, money markets sinking sand, annuities sinking sand, the government sinking sand, the dollar bill sinking sand. But which God will you serve? Because as for me and my house, We're going to serve the Lord. And can I tell you why we're going to serve the Lord? Because my investment is guaranteed by the blood of the Lamb. Stand on your feet if you're able all over this place. Which God are you going to serve? Is it the God of capitalism that has caused our people to be where they are right now due to slavery or will it be the god of the cosmos that kept our people through many dangerous toils and stairs will, will it will it be that God that that kept our ancestors in the brush harbor will, will it be that God that when big mama and Papa didn't have much to give you, as far as material possessions, they were able to take less and do more and we now have more and we're doing less. Y'all can do whatever y'all want to. I'm sticking with Jesus. And and I, I would love to invite anyone that's watching us online as well as in this house to make a choice today. Will it be Jesus or will it be your money? Because I'm here to to let you know that, that if you put Jesus first, and I can't explain it, but somehow he'll take care of your needs and he'll give you some of your wants. Listen, as we... As we prepare to open the doors of the church, I want to, at this time, extend this opportunity. For those that are watching us online, those that are in the house, I'm going to lead you in a short prayer, a prayer of new life, a prayer of brand new start. And if this prayer is meant for you, I want you to make a decision for either Christ or the culture. And we all going to pray this prayer together, a real short prayer. It's a prayer of new life, a prayer of brand new start. I ask folks to repeat it to remind us of that commitment we made to our Christ. But if this prayer touches you and is meant for you, I want you to make a choice for either Christ and his church or the culture. So if you would, bow your heads and repeat after me, Jesus, I believe you came and died for all my sins. You're the greatest gift that God can offer. I come to you because I need a savior and I want you to be my lord I confess my sins and I ask that you will forgive me of all my sins make me the person you want me to be I now give myself to be a follower of you thank you for the gift of salvation in the name of jesus i pray this prayer amen hear me and hear me well if you prayed that prayer you meant that prayer you're sincere about that prayer salvation is yours is it really that easy yes why because you're saved by grace based upon faith not by coming to church not by giving money not by reading your bible but simply by the grace of God, place, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. If you are watching us on Facebook or on the website, and that prayer was meant for you, I want you to type in salvation in the box. One of our digital ministers is going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the telephone, if you would, call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number. Somebody's going to reach out to you or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. If you're here in church right now, in this physical space, and that prayer was meant for you and you want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to take the risk and walk down right now. If you would, just hold up your hand. If you hold up your hand, I guarantee you ain't got to walk by yourself. If that's you, Would you come right now? That's the easiest thing you can do right now. It's easier than going to the bathroom. You can walk down right now and give your life to the Lord and we will give God a shout for this major transformative moment in your life. Will there be one? If you're in the house, would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. If you want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, hold up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. We're not going to ask you to make a speech or anything, but we do want you to take that faith walk, because if you make one step, I guarantee God will make two. Will there be one? Will there be one? Will there be one? Would you come down, please? Would you come down? Somebody's going to walk with you. Somebody's going to walk with you. Somebody's going to walk with you. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate one that is coming. Will there be another? 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 Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Here's my second call. If you're here right now, you're saying, listen, Pastor, I'm saved. I've been baptized, but I've been bouncing around from church to church. I don't have a church home of my own. I don't have a church home. I'm not connected. You can join us online. You can join us in the house. Amen. So I want you to do this. If you're watching us on Facebook or on YouTube, type in Connect. One of our digital ministers is going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube or listen to us on telephone, email us at connect at Come on, let's give God praise. Or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number so that we can reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're in this sanctuary, this physical space, you're saved, you love Jesus, you got a relationship with Jesus. Go ahead and go down. You got a relationship with Jesus, but you ain't got a church home. I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. We would love for you to be part of our fold. So if you're in church, you don't have a church home, would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? You don't have a church home, would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? And if you got your hand up, I want you to go ahead and come on down. Walk with them. Come on down. Come on, my sister. Come on, my sister. Walk with her. Walk with her. Walk with her. She's coming beside you. Walk with her. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? We got people that are joining us online and we got people that are joining us in the house. God be praised for what God is doing. You can even join us on the watch care. That means that you are part of another church. You don't want to give up your membership, but you're here temporarily. And because you're here temporarily, you just want to have a place to hang out. We would love for you to do that with us. So if you want to join us under Watch Care, you can do that as well. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? If the Lord is speaking to you right now, my brother, my sister, we want to encourage you to take that faith walk. It's a faith walk. But I guarantee if you make one step, God will make two. I'm I'm here to tell, do I have any witnesses in the house? If you make one step, God will make two. Will there be another one in the house? Will there be another one in the house? Will there be another one? The Lord is also pressing me about this. There may be someone who has been a part of St. Paul, but you've been away for a long time. You were away before the pandemic started and you got detached during the pandemic, but you want to recommit your life back to the Lord through St. Paul, I would love for you to come so that we can get that straight as well, so that we can roll with you and you can roll with us. So if I'm talking to you online or in the house, Would you come if the Lord is urging you to come right now, right now? Would you come if the Lord is urging you to come right now? Will there be another? Will there be another? You can take your seat. You can take your seat. Can you all help me to celebrate those who have made the bold step to move at the urging of the Lord? We could do a whole lot better than that, St. Paul because there's some churches ain't doing nothing, ain't growing, ain't nobody joining, but the Lord has been allowing for us to grow even in this pandemic. Let me say, usually because of, if we weren't dealing with COVID, I'll come down and give you all a hug and stuff, but I'm going to do the elbow thing, okay? Uh, but you all are a gift to us. This is what we want you to do. We want you to follow these lovely ladies over here. Uh, Sister Marilyn, can you hold up your hand? All right, Sister Marilyn, she's gonna help you all to. Wait, wait, wait. before you leave, come here, come here. But before you leave, before you leave, thank you for making this step. I'm gonna come give you elbow. All right, give you elbow. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And would you all follow them? Follow them. Let's give God praise. Amen. Let's give God praise. We could do a whole lot better than that. We could do a whole lot better than that. I said we could do a whole lot better than that. You don't know who the Lord is moving upon and you don't know how God is going to make a difference in somebody's life. Amen. 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 God is great and greatly to be praised. Listen, we're getting ready to transition to communion. You ought to have your communion implements right now. And if you don't, if you would hold up your hand, hold up your hand. So we can make sure that you will have your communion implements. For those that are watching us online, if you would get your communion implements at this time as we prepare to pray over them and to take the Lord's meal. Has everybody who has a right to be served been served? If you would, just shake up your your implements to make sure that the sediment that may have settled at the bottom is unsettled. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, as we come and we get ready to partake of this meal, the meal that your son Jesus Christ Established by taking the Jewish Passover meal and transforming it into a meal of the church. We thank you for what you did with him and through him on that hill called Calvary where he became the lamb that was slain before the foundation of this world. As we prepare to eat this bread and drink this symbolic uh, sense of wine, Help us, O oh God, to remember and reflect on the pain that Jesus went through to make us right with you. This is a meal of the church. And because it's a meal of the church, you bid us come. Forgive us of our sins. Help us, oh God, to be better today than we were yesterday and be even better tomorrow than we are today right now. We thank you for the Lamb of God. We thank you for the land of Judah. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. it was on a faithful Thursday night when your Lord and my Lord was in the upper room with his disciples when he took a loaf of bread he lifted it toward heaven he blessed it and he broke it saying take, eat this is my body that shall be given for thee let us eat likewise he took a common cup and he lifted it toward heaven and he gave his father thanks He told his disciples, I want you to drink all of this, for this is the blood of the new covenant that's going to be shed for the remissions of sin. I will not have this new, have any more of this with you until we drink it again in my father's house. Let us drink. The Bible says afterwards they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives and we shall do Likewise, after the benediction, you may throw away your cups as you head out. There will be waste receptacles for you to uh, place them in. And we ask that you will follow the ushers as we prepare to leave after the benediction. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To the wise God, our Father, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. I love you. God loves you even more. Have a strong, blessed week in the Lord. Ushers, would you dismiss our disciples? Have a safe, blessed week. Continue to take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing. Get vaccinated if you haven't gotten vaccinated. And make sure you're good. Take care.